Well, good morning. I have a new mic, so if it's really, I'm, and I'm going to do some screaming this morning, so I'm just, I'm just kidding. If you have a Bible with you, I want to invite you to turn to Mark chapter 4. Sorry, Mark chapter 8, verses 1 through 10. Mark 8, verses 1 through 10 is where we'll be this morning. That's where we're going to land here in just a moment. I want to welcome you back to our series in Mark called Immediately the Urgency of Jesus. We are now roughly halfway through Mark's gospel. And we come again, I don't know if you remember the story this morning, but we come again to another very familiar story, the feeding of the 4,000. Yes, it's another story of uh, this miraculous multiplication. It's another story with very familiar storylines. Another story with almost the, the same numbers. And so the question is, what is Mark doing for us as readers? Why another story on feeding a multitude? I think there are two reasons, and here's number one. It is yet another stark reminder for us as readers that we are spiritually hungry people, and it is only Jesus Christ who can meet those needs. So it is the admonition of the psalmist who says, taste and see that the Lord is good, which is my title for my message this morning. And yet it is another, secondly, it's a stark reminder that our God is a God who can transform impossibilities into possibilities. And we need reminded of this, don't we? You need to know that during the week, the preacher is always fed this before you're fed it. (laughs) And so, the first one for this message to work on is the preacher, which is me. And so, this message is a great message for me this, this week because... I have a 1998 Volvo station wagon that has been sitting in my driveway since the end of June. And I have been been pulling out my hair all week to get this thing running. And I I thought that I was almost there and all I had to do, all I have to do at this point is put a serpentine belt on it, you know, And and I'm talking to people and I'm like, Come on, really, it, it only takes, what, five minutes to put a serpentine belt on, doesn't it? And so I, here I am during this week, if you can picture me, the hood is up, and I'm leaning over this motor mount, and I'm just like, there is no way that this is going on. <laughs> it is impossible for this thing to be fixed, right? We need reminders that our God is a God of impossibilities. He can make them possible. We need them because life can be hard, downright, in fact, cruel. Life is full of seemingly impossible situations. And everyone has different advice, right, for how to deal with these tough times. 
Someone has said the best way to deal with your problems is just to laugh at them. But someone else said that laughing at your problem is like changing a baby's diaper. It doesn't fix the problem permanently, it just makes it more bearable for a while. (laughs) Recently I came across what is called cowboy wisdom. Here are some pearls of wisdom from the perspective of a cowboy. Number one, never slap a man who's chewing tobacco. (laughs) Number two, letting the cat out of the bag is a whole lot easier than putting it back in. Number three, never kick a cow chip on a hot day. For those of you that are from cow country, you'll know what that means. Number four, if you find yourself in a hole, the first thing to do is to stop digging. Number five, never miss a good chance to just shut up. (laughs) Number six, good judgment comes from experience. A lot of that comes from bad judgment. Number eight, which I think is the best, there are two theories to arguing with a woman. Neither one works. (laughs) Well, there's something better than laughing at your problems or applying cowboy wisdom. The fact is, when you introduce Jesus into your impossibilities, he transforms them into possibilities. And when you come to this eighth chapter of Mark, Jesus has to deal with, with 4,000 hungry Gentiles. And so three quick things to, to see here in this, in this context. Number one, it's this. There is no problem too big for Jesus to solve. There is no problem in the world that's too big for Jesus to solve. So notice verse one, there is this great crowd. They gathered and they What? They have nothing to eat. And we know that according to verse 2, that they have been with Jesus now for three days. And Jesus and the disciples have this monumental problem because they are hungry. And Jesus knows that if he sends them back, they could faint. Or they will faint. They'll become weak, dizzy, perhaps even lose consciousness. And so they have a huge problem. So what does Jesus do? The better applicational question is, what does he do with monumental problems? What does he do with your problems? Well, three words I would highlight in your Bible. I would underline them. I would circle these three words. Because nowhere in any of the other Gospels will you find Jesus saying this. It is clear from the other Gospels that He has compassion. He, second person. But nowhere will you find it in the first person. Jesus saying these words. Notice, what does he say? I have compassion. I have compassion. I have pity. I have empathy. Jesus cares about people. Jesus cares about you this morning. You need to know that. And if there's ever a thought in your mind where you don't think Jesus cares, you need to know that that is coming from the pit of hell itself. Jesus has compassion on you. He cares about you. 
And his compassion drives him, doesn't it? It drives him to remedy problems. And the disciples ask, what? What do the disciples do? I love the disciples because the disciples are you and me. And we look at this story, we're thinking like, how dense can you all be? Because they're what? They're asking, how? How? How are all these people, Jesus, going to be fed? And we're like, um, if you just would have flipped back a couple chapters, you know, in, in the gospel, you, didn't he just feed 5,000? Didn't you just see him do this? Right? How easily they forget that Jesus can do this. And yet how easily we forget that Jesus can do this. And so the disciples asked what, and Jesus answered, how many loaves do you have? The impossible is about to become possible. There is no problem too big for Jesus to solve. Secondly, you need to know this, there is no people that is too sinful that he won't feed. It's important to note who it is that Jesus is about to feed. And where he is, geographically speaking, with his disciples. Because what distinguishes this feeding from the feeding of the 5,000 is that he is feeding in a wrought Gentile territory or region. In the region of Decapolis, which is southeast of the Sea of Galilee. Therefore, it is plausible. This is what Mark is trying to show us this morning. This is what he's showing us. This is what he wants to, you to feel and gravitate to. That the same Jesus, who is the bread of life to the Jews, in the feeding of the 5,000, is the same Jesus who is the bread of life to the Gentile nations in the feeding of the four. And that's you, and that's me. And so what does Jesus do? Notice he does four things here. And this, you can't miss this either. Because he does four things when he takes the seven loaves of bread and these few small fish to these Gentile people. He, he does four things. Notice. He took. He gives thanks. He broke. And he gave. And if you look at the four Gospels, all four Gospels have the feeding of the 5,000. You'll notice in all four of those accounts, Jesus does four things. And he does what? He took, he gave thanks, he broke it, and then he gave it. See that? Now I want you to take your Bible and I want you just to flip over to Mark chapter 14. So let's just fast forward. You're just going to get a sneak peek of what's about to happen in Mark's gospel. If you go to Mark 14 and you look at verse 22. And you'll notice in that context of Mark 14, 22, what's happening there. Something very important. Jesus is instituting the Lord's Supper. And notice verse 22. And they were eating and what? He took, he blessed, he broke it, and he gave it. See that? Do you see the implications that's happening here in Mark 8? 
Do you feel the implications? Or do you know the implications? Because what's happening is there is a thread that runs from this miracle to this table right here every morning. Because what happens at this table every morning? There's a priest that stands before you. And what does he do? He takes, he blesses, he breaks, and he what? He distributes to you and me. J.I. Packer, I think, puts it best to the gravity of what's happening here in Mark 8 and this table every morning. He says, quote, we should be saying in our hearts, as sure as I see and touch and taste this bread and this wine on my lips, so sure it is that Jesus is not just a fancy, but a fact. That he is for real. And that he offers himself to be my savior. My bread of life. My guide to glory. He has left me this right, this gesture, this token, this ritual action as a guarantee of this grace. He instituted it. And it is a sign of life-giving union with him. And I'm taking part in it. Joyfully, right? We should be skipping down the aisles to this table. I am taking part in it, and thus I know that I am his, and he is mine forever. That is the assurance that we should be drawing from our sharing in the Lord's Supper every time we come to the table. It's not just a ceremony, brothers and sisters. This is real. There's no people too sinful that he won't feed. You may think, you know, I am just so unworthy to come to this table. You're not. He's beckoning you to come and be fed by him. Number three, there is no hunger too deep for Jesus to satisfy Notice verse 8. Verse 8 is crucial as well. And they ate and what? They were completely satisfied. Parsed out, all that it means is they ate until they were full and there was still loads left over. Right? In fact, the context tells us there were seven basketfuls left over. Which means this. You cannot leave here this morning without knowing this. You can't. Jesus only can satisfy your deepest needs. Only Jesus can fill a God-shaped hole in your heart. Anything else is like trying to put a square peg into a round hole. And I'm telling you, people do it every single day in this world. Whether it be drugs, whether it be alcohol, whether it be pornography, you fill in the blank. It's out there. 
People have needs and they find other things to fill those needs. And Jesus is saying, what? Here I am. It's all you need is me. I don't know if you're like me, but I, I love Snickers bars. <laughs> I, I do. I, just, I love to eat. But I love Snickers bars. If you know the tagline, for anybody know the tagline for Snickers bars? Snickers satisfies. It's a lie, right? Because after I eat one, what happens? <laughs> I want another one, right? I want a Snicker loaf. I don't want a bar. I want a loaf, right? I, I want more. Jesus only satisfies. We have physical needs, don't we, in this parish, in this auditorium, in this place. There are physical needs. There are social needs. There are emotional needs. Some of you are hurting emotionally from perhaps your past this morning. Some of you are students, and you're like, school is tomorrow. <laughs> and you're like shaking. You're anxious. Our greatest need is to fill a sense of spiritual hunger. I don't care where you go in the world. You go to Africa, you go to Honduras, you meet anybody in the world, they have spiritual needs. And if you're hungry, right, you can eat bread and you can be satisfied for a few hours and then you just get hungry again. But you need to know this morning that Jesus can fill the spiritual need that will satisfy you for all eternity. Jesus reminds us again and again and again that I am the bread of life and I am the living water. So you ready to come? <laughs> Just a few moments, you'll have an opportunity to come to this table. I pray that today will be far different, perhaps, than any other Sunday. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for your son. Taste and see that the Lord is good. Holy Spirit, just fall upon this parish, that we would have a greater sense of your presence today. That we would be changed people because we've been here this morning. And so we ask in a few moments that when we come to this table, you would, you would feed us miraculously again. Just like you did in Mark 8. Help us to know that in this sacrament there is grace imparted, strength for the weary. You bind up the brokenhearted. And so, Father, do that this morning, I pray. In the mighty name of Jesus and all God's people said, Amen, Amen.